Case by Case, I'm Helen Emery and I'm joined as ever by the lovely Kyle Williams. Hi, Helen. Hiya, Kyle. How are you doing today? Very well. I might have a bit of a different voice because I'm uh, in the middle of a run of night shifts. So if I'm a bit oh. gravelly, then uh, it might be for that. They've been busy? As always. As always. That's the fun of A&E, hey? Can't grumble. You love it. Indeed. Excellent. So we wouldn't want to keep you from your, your sleep. Oh, I need all the beauty sleep I can get. <laughs> I'll go straight into the case then. Awesome. This is a case of a 34-year-old male patient that was brought into the A&E department by ambulance, feeling generally unwell. Generally unwell. By generally unwell, I mean pretty awful. Oh, really? Yeah, really, really awful. And actually, the end of the bedogram, he looked awful as well. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We can have a debate another time on, on eyeballing patients. No, I think it's an awesome thing. I recently read an interesting paper on it, but eyeballing him, he looked bad. He'd had a recent history, so over the last 48 hours, of a runny nose, productive cough, sore throat. He's got man flu. Yes, it did sound a bit like man flu, Kyle. It's a thing. I read a BBC article about man flu. It is a thing, isn't it? Oh, did you know? Yes, it is a thing. We'll put that high quality evidence on our website, shall we? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So no, I thought he looked even a bit more sick than man flu, if that can happen. Apparently it's possible. Oh really? Is that possible? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Over the last 12 hours, he started to feel much more unwell, washed out, very lightheaded, and he developed some nausea with a couple of episodes of vomiting and nothing unusual about the vomit, no blood. Not particularly bile just food. No changes to his bowel habit. And he thought that there was a slight increase in his cough and some yellowy, greeny, browny at times stuff was coming up, but no blood. I guess it is flu season and pneumonia season, isn't it? Yeah, and there's, there's some nasty ones going around, isn't there? Really bad at the minute. Other symptoms that he had, so he had a mild headache, denied any urinary symptoms, said his wee was a bit darker than usual. However, he'd not really been drinking very much, struggling to eat or drink or or do anything, really. There was no chest pain, no abdo pain, denied any rashes, definitely no photophobia or neck stiffness or anything like that. And usually feels in himself really well. So he was quite perturbed by this and his partner was quite worried because usually quite active, hasn't had a day off work for years and years and years, but has not been able to go and work at all and then was completely washed out and and just not wanting to move off the sofa and and not able to really and and that's why they called 999. So a worried family is a concerning thing isn't it? Very worried partner and very unusual for the patient. Okay just briefly then so a couple of day history of just feeling like he's had a sort of upper respiratory tract infection that's getting progressively worse and he's now developed a sort of a productive cough with kind of yellow green brownish sputum. That's the kind of main symptomatology, yes? That's it. Okay. All right. In terms of past medical history, he has very well-controlled Crohn's disease. And this definitely didn't feel like a flare of Crohn's. As I said, his bowels are normal, no abdo pain, no PR bleeding. And it's been well-controlled for about the last six months. So he was quite happy. Drug history is on budesonide, three milligrams, three times a day. No known drug allergies. 
no family history of anything that would concern us and social history independent lives with his partner works as an accountant doesn't do any extracurricular activities like our patient last week (laughs) non-smoker no recent travel abroad no recent contacts a short history but feeling pretty terrible and looking pretty terrible as i say he looked unwell but he was talking to me so i wasn't worried about an airway problem Breathing, he had some oxygen on, so his sats were 100% on the 15 litres non-rebreathe. Respiratory rate was about 23, so a little bit up, but not wildly high. Yeah. He had a few crackles on the left base. His calves were soft and non-tender, no chest wall tenderness. Cardiovascular, so C, heart rate, he was tachycardic, so he was going about 118. It was sinus. BP was 89 over 53. Heart sounds were normal, so no murmurs. No peripheral signs of any infective endocarditis. Nice warm peripheries. His GCS was 15, not wanting to talk, but completely orientated. His blood sugar was 3.7. He'd not really had anything to eat at all. Nothing to drink, nothing to eat. So he wasn't hypo, but he it was a bit low. E temperature was 38.1. Abdomen soft, not distended, not tender. Bowel sounds were normal. No reason to do a PR exam based on the history given. No rashes anywhere. Freely moving his neck. Koenig's negative. No um, meningism then? No. Looking at his ears, nose and throat, he had a mildly red throat. No massive tonsils or anything like that. A normal voice. Ears looked a bit red, looked a bit virally. No lymph nodes. ENT looked a little bit red, as you would expect with the coughing that he's had, but otherwise okay. Nothing drastic that would point me in the direction of what is wrong that's one full exam isn't it well i'm very thorough kyle <laughs> <laughs> and he's only been in the uh, department by this point three minutes okay and did he get the departmental lactate he did he did his investigations he got a vbg pretty much as he came through the door that was raised so 3.4 was his lactate okay so that's up a bit isn't it yeah so that's up his pH was 7.3, so he had a mild metabolic acidosis. Oh, right, okay. Glucose on the gas, 3.9. And slightly abnormal electrolytes. His sodium was a little bit low, potassium a little bit low, but I wanted to wait for the formal bloods because you know what the gas machine's like. Yeah, it can be a bit unpredictable sometimes, can't it? I don't know about you, so I'm thinking crackles the left base, cough. So I'm thinking left lower zone pneumonia with sepsis. No, I don't think it's that at all, actually. I think you're barking up completely the wrong tree. As always. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> so, so what did you do? So I thought of pneumonia could have started with a viral infection, but it seemed there was a bit more going on now. As you say, he's got a raised heart rate, raised temperature, raised lactate, a slightly low BP slightly raised respiratory rate so I'm worried about sepsis we did start the sepsis six actually especially all that with that clinical gestalt of just not looking well he got bloods including HB and he's had a lactate he had some oxygen going and we titrated that he got antibiotics so we gave him antibiotics for community acquired pneumonia as per the trust guidance because that seemed to be the source We measured his urine output. He was continent. He's young, would rather use a bottle. So that's fair enough. But we did measure his urine output. Give him some fluid. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Always helpful. Yeah, give him some fluid. So started off with 500 ml stat of normal saline. Did that help? 
It helped a little bit. Brought his blood pressure up marginally, but wasn't quite the reaction that I would like to have seen. His heart rate stayed quite tacky. Oh, really? Okay. He also had a urinalysis as part of the septic screen. NED, I take it? Yeah, nothing in that. And we could debate whether that was needed or not, but he, he did have one. And he had a chest x-ray. Which showed... Slightly increased lung markings on the left base, which was in keeping with my clinical findings. So I did think he had a pneumonia. He didn't have any history of having anything funny. Although a few hours later, and, and I did review him a few hours later because he was still in a hinny. It wasn't much better, Kyle. Okay, so he's had, she'd given him lots of fluids and I guess he still had a saggy blood pressure. He's had loads of fluids, he's had his antibiotics, he's had some analgesia, had some paracetamol for his fever. And usually in a young patient like that, I tend to see a, a little bit of a turnaround. I'm not saying that I would want to send him home or anything like that. He was definitely coming in, but he just, blood pressure hadn't really moved much. He was still tachycardic. He was still feeling pretty terrible. Were you thinking sort of more severe sepsis at this point then, or septic shock? I was sort of thinking that, but he did respond a little bit to fluids. And so I did discuss him with the boss. He was reviewed. And what came out when we had a look back over his notes, he's been on budesonide for six months. Oh, that's a thing, isn't it? He's been on budesonide for his Crohn's three times a day for six months. And that's why his Crohn's has been so well controlled. It's also a long time to be on a steroid. Then we started to think, is he having an adrenal crisis? Oh, wow. Where'd you pull that from? Just pulled it. Pulled it straight out the bag, I did, Kyle. <laughs> I think I'd have been still down, going down the sepsis, pulling him full of fluid and other people to look at him, perhaps. So there is a senior involved in this point. Don't, don't worry. This okay. This isn't right. me. No, no, no. It's all you, I'm sure. <laughs> we gave him 200 milligrams of hydrocortisone. After that, we seemed to turn a corner. Really? So it started to get a lot better? Yeah, you know, he's still pretty ill, but things seem to settle a bit. I, don't, I guess that kind of explains that slightly abnormal electrolytes then, I guess. Well, yeah, exactly. So on the lab bloods, his sodium was 131, potassium was 3.4, so they're both a bit low. Creatinine and urea normal, so it's not his kidneys. And you said he's a bit hypoglycemic, so that kind of fits the clinical picture better than sepsis, doesn't it, really? Absolutely, yeah. His white cells were up, which you'd expect anyway. So his white cells being 13, is that just the steroid? His CRP was high, but 90. So I still think he had a pneumonia. But actually, I think what's happened is he's had an adrenal crisis because he's got a pneumonia. His body isn't producing enough steroid for it. The pneumonia is that precipitating stress that his body's not able to deal with because of the steroid, I guess. So it was interesting. Yeah, so he's not man flu after all. No, no, no. We'll save that for another podcast. I thought this was going to be a groundbreaking man flu podcast. We're going to get our names out there. <laughs> Maybe next time. On men's hour and everything. <laughs> right, so I guess we should probably talk about the adrenal glands a bit, since they're the culprit in this scenario. Yeah, go easy, go steady. A little refresher, they're an important endocrine gland and they produce our cortisol, which we need at times of stress for many, many functions, but importantly, immune function, vascular tone, metabolism. And it's controlled by the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis and there's a great feedback loop between those three. 
But basically, he's been having steroid, which has shut down that feedback loop because he's got a high level of steroid in his blood. So his body's said, I don't need to produce it. And then he's got unwell, which usually we all produce more steroid, but his body's not producing it and he's not taken any more steroid as per sick day rules. So now he's having an adrenal crisis. This is probably a, what, a secondary cause of adrenal insufficiency then. But I guess you can get some primary causes, the most common of which is Addison's. Yeah, so primary being a destruction of the adrenal gland itself. So something like Addison's, secondary being an interference with ACTH secretion, which is what we're doing effectively by giving him steroids by the feedback loop. So yes, I agree. Yeah. Are there other common symptoms that are really common with somebody with an adrenal crisis? So symptoms wise, I think they can be quite vague as is presented, weakness, lethargy. You might get altered mental status, back pain, chest pain, might get GI symptoms, but that's quite vague, isn't it? That's helpful. (laughs) And then, yeah, you can have your low blood sugars and your electrolyte abnormalities, so potassium and sodium. Any other pearls for us that I should have been looking out for? Something that I read was that one of the hallmark presentations is that kind of severe hypertension that's refractory to IV fluid. Like our chap, you usually see some degree of improvement, even if it's for 20 minutes. Especially in a young person. Yeah, exactly. And it's not necessarily in keeping with the kind of clinical picture. So the main differential was sepsis or severe sepsis in this case. But you've got somebody with low blood pressure and not moving with fluid. I read somewhere that that was sort of present in over 90% of cases in people that later go on to be diagnosed with an adrenal crisis. I guess that is the cardinal sign, really. And that's the take-home message, really, isn't it? If you've got a patient that you think is septic, like him, because of all those vague features that he's presented with, you give them antibiotics, you give them fluid, they're not getting any better, and they're on steroids, or or they're not on steroids and you're diagnosing Addison's for the first time, so you've got those slightly abnormal electrolytes, slightly abnormal blood glucose, then, then you do need to think about it. And it's important that we do, because it's potentially fatal. Does the BNF give any warnings about people on being on steroids? Yeah, people on long-term steroids. So if the corticosteroid is given for longer than three weeks, then adrenal atrophy develops and can persist for years after stopping. Abrupt withdrawal after a prolonged period can lead to an acute adrenal sufficiency, hypertension or death. So that's merry. And obviously it talks about immunosuppression, as we know, with steroids. And then to compensate for diminished adrenocortical response caused by prolonged corticosteroid treatment, any significant intercurrent illness, trauma or surgical procedure requires a temporary increase in corticosteroid dose. And that's, as I said, sick day rules. If you're unwell, you need to increase the dose of the steroid. Or if stopped, you need to reintroduce the corticosteroid. I once came across somebody with a steroid card, although I don't think they're really commonly used, are they? Have you ever come across them? I have seen a couple, but it's very hard, isn't it, if someone's unwell, possibly to show you their card or remember they've got the card or link it to that. Especially someone like him who is generally well and actually sees his steroid as a good thing because it's controlling his Crohn's, which has been his only illness in his lifetime. So I think it is for us to think about. To summarise then, we've got a 34-year-old chap with a couple-day history of non-specific upper respiratory tract infection signs that probably progressed to a left-sided pneumonia, who on first presentation looked really sick on the end of bedogram and was mildly shocked, didn't really move with fluid, IV antibiotics, and being worked up as a kind of septic person with the septic six. 
and then came back with some altered electrolytes and then we found that he was on a long term of budesimide for his Crohn's and we put together that he was suffering from an adrenal crisis or adrenal insufficiency because of that and we give him in addition to the antibiotics and fluid we give him some hydrocortisone admitted him under the medics and I guess he spent a couple of days there having some IV antibiotics and decent doses of steroids and presumably then was discharged a couple of days later probably is that about right yeah happily ever after take home message steroids are good in people that are on them long term when with any sickness or any stress to give them early sounds good awesome another life saved there we go what can we do eh? Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate your comments and feedback. We're on Twitter. You can go on Facebook or you can go on our website, casebycasepodcast.co.uk. If you'd like to suggest any cases or topics or leave us any comments at all, we really appreciate reading them all. Until next time. Bye, Helen. Bye, Kyle. Have a good night shift. I will indeed. (laughs) 